Have any of you ever gone on a road trip at some time in your life where you just got in the car and you just started driving, you didn't have anything else planned? Has anyone ever gone on a trip like that? You just started driving, you didn't really know where you were going or where you were going to end up, you just went because it was a terrific adventure and you just wanted to see what you'd see along the way and how it would turn out. Now, it sounds like an absolutely fantastic time to me. I talked to a gentleman, he said, yeah, I got on a plane, I flew to Cairo, Egypt, and I knew I had a week, and I just made it up as I went along. I was like, wow, that sounds fantastic. But I was thinking about it in my own life, I don't think I've actually ever done that. I'm too much of a planner. I like to know exactly where I'm going. I married a planner, and if you look at our vacations, we have a nice itinerary laid out, what we're going to see, what we're going to do, and everything along the way. I like to know where I'm going to stay. I like to know the details are covered, and then I can relax. My husband, Paul, he's fantastic at this. He does a great job. Trip planning, man, he's got it down to a science. He takes care of details I haven't even thought of, and everything goes smoothly on every vacation for us. Don't you think? No, not usually. Usually there's some little wrinkle, and sometimes something happens that we don't expect or plan on. We get a flat tire, and then you have to figure it out and just go with the flow. There are many times in life when you have no idea or really no control over what's going to happen. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit this morning. In these kinds of times, these large-scale change in, in which we're now living, these times, everything can feel a little out of control, a little tentative, a little unsettling, a little unpredictable. We say, yeah, I'm going to maybe do this next week, but we just really aren't sure because everything changes all the time. And difficult times can cause us sometimes to cry out and to say, God, where are you? Where are you in the midst of this? I can't see you. I don't know where you are. And difficult times in life and times of unsettlement, times of grief or pain or loss can cause us to do one of two things. It either draws us closer to God and we find our strength and our ability to get through it with him or sometimes it can create this large gap in our relationship with God because we can't find him and we don't see him and we just, it sort of makes us grow away from God. And so difficult times can, can bring us to do one of two things. And what I want us to see today is that the Israelites a long time ago, they went through a very painful time in their lives too. It was unsettling, it was in the wilderness, it was in the desert, it wasn't any fun at all. And I want us to see, though, that they found some hope and joy in the midst of it, as they really depended upon God to be their provider. And so my hope today is that we dig into this scripture, that we might find some hope and joy for our lives today, too, as we think about this fall that really feels very much like new territory. So let's pray as we get started this morning. Lord Jesus, as we enter this new season, Lord, at some level, it feels very uncertain. And we can't depend on all the things that we usually depend on as school starts and the general rhythm of life. 
And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us and help us to see things from your word this morning, things that can help us in our lives too as we seek, Lord, to deal with this time one day at a time. Thanks, Lord. In the precious name of Christ, we pray. Amen. So during this time, we're stepping into the larger story of the Exodus, way back with the Israelites in Exodus chapter 12. And just a refresher from last week, in Exodus chapter 12, the Israelites, they leave Egypt in a great big hurry. They've just had all of these fantastic plagues from um, God, and Pharaoh says, get out of here. And so they leave in the middle of the night, probably about two million people, when you include women and children, and they just head out into the desert. Nobody's made any plans. They haven't made sure to, you know, the logistics person, okay, here's how we're gonna feed everybody and this is what we're gonna do and we're gonna protect everybody and all these things. Nobody had a plan. They just left and they just got out of town and they went into the desert. And they had to begin to understand how to live and to work and to function together. And so we talked last week that they had God and God showed up in this pillar of cloud by day and this pillar of fire by night, sort of the ancient Google Maps program, and he led them across the wilderness in that way. But we learned last week that with God's directions, shorter is not always better. It is in the Google Maps program, but it's not with God. Shorter is not always better because God wants to teach us and to train us and to mold us and to shape us during those times. And we learned that even though God's directions may be different than what we'd like, that that destination is secure and dependable, that God was always with his people, no matter what happened. When they got turned around, when they had setbacks, when they were wandering, God was still with them every step of the way. God knows what he's doing and we can trust his timing. But in new territory, not everything goes smoothly, not everything goes as expected. So let's pick up the story in Exodus chapter 15, starting in verse 22. You'll see that there on the screen. It says, Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. And he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. Now, it always amazes me as I read this story that it wasn't just three days later that the people started to complain. Three days after they had watched God do all this powerful stuff in Egypt, three days after he had, you know, opened the Red Sea and they had all walked through it, and then all of their enemies had been destroyed, it's only three days later And they come to this next challenge. They don't have any water. And what's the first thing they do? They grumble and they complain. They don't trust. They don't say, you know what, God's going to work us through it. They grumble and they complain. They grumbled against Moses saying, what are we going to drink? In other words, Moses, why didn't you think about this? Why didn't you have this planned? Why don't you have this organized? Why don't you have this ready to go? And it didn't just happen here. It happens again and again and again. It happens again in the next uh, chapter. In fact, Exodus chapter 16, verse two, it says this. You'll see this one on the screen. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat, 
and we ate all the food we wanted. But you brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. How tempting is it for all of us to grumble and to complain when we face a new challenge? Now, I know that none of you do that here, but we can think about people who do, right? You know, what about our kids? First thing they want to do, grumble and complain if it's not something they want. How about our teenagers? There is the temptation to grumble and to complain every once in a while. But us as adults, we still face that same temptation too. No matter what age we are, we are always tempted to grumble and complain when we face a challenge. And that's what the Israelites did. They they grumbled against Moses and Aaron whenever they faced a crisis. We see it over and over again. Chapter 15, chapter 16, chapter 17 here. Again in Numbers, chapter 14, chapter 16, twice. It's amazing how often it happens in Scripture. And we see it in the people of God, but we think, oh, no, we never do it. Yes, we do. We complain all the time. The temptation is always there. And I don't know why, but our brains seem to make everything rosier when we look back on it than when we were actually going through it. Somehow when we look back, we think things were much rosier than they actually were. And I can imagine Moses saying, really? You really want to go back to Egypt? It wasn't good there. We were under slave labor and we had hard taskmasters. You really want to go back to that? You really do? Well, no, they didn't. They just weren't sure what to do in this new territory in which they found themselves. And what we see here is that the cry in the wilderness is real. The wilderness is painful and everything seems hard and nothing seems to come easy, whether it's food or water or protection from their enemies or whatever it is that they saw. And sometimes it happens in our individual lives as well. What might a wilderness time look like for us? Sometimes it's the wilderness of grief when you lose somebody that you love. Maybe it's even the wilderness of just an overly stressful time. Everything is so demanding and there are too many things and you just feel like, I can't do this one more day. Sometimes it's the wilderness and pain of the loss of a job. And what am I going to do next? Sometimes the wilderness might be when we're perhaps in an accident or we have some kind of medical challenge that turns our world upside down and our body all of a sudden doesn't work the way that it used to. And we have to figure everything else out. Sometimes the wilderness might be this ever-changing pandemic and we can never plan anything and, and get anything right. All of these situations can lead to a time of wilderness where nothing comes easy. It's a time where there are more questions than answers, a time of confusion. It feels like we're just wandering around. Maybe some of you are even experiencing that today. And the word exodus actually comes from the word ek, meaning out of, hodas, meaning way, out of the way. I was thinking about it. It's kind of like a detour. Now, how many of you love to see that detour sign when you're traveling? You just get so excited about that. No. Nobody does. 
When I see that deed to her sign, I'm like, oh, this is going to take so much longer than I expected to get there. And I don't want to go on this detour. And the reality is that sometimes life hits us and it feels like a great big detour into any kind of plans that we had. And sometimes we get detoured into grief or loss or tragedy or change or any of these things and we don't want to go there. But it's what we're called to do. And so it's this whole idea of taking longer than we expect the wilderness. Where is my structure? Where is my reliability? Where is my familiarity? And sometimes in the detours of life, we feel displaced. We feel abandoned. We can get overwhelmed with fear and doubt. And the Psalms are filled with words from individuals and communities as they cry out to God, how long, O Lord, how long will you hide your face from us? Even Jesus on the cross, he cried out from Psalm 22, quoting that. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's okay to feel that in the times of wilderness and pain and struggle. It can be times of conflict, times of pain, a time where you feel uprooted, dislocated. The wilderness, the detour times of life don't often feel good. But, but, we also see in this section of scripture today, the wilderness can also be a time where you get a chance to see the mighty hand of God. It can be a time of pain and loss, and that is real, and it is very important to feel that way. But it can also be a time of great hope, a time where you get to see the mighty hand of God. Back in our scripture, verse 25, you'll see it back there on the screen. What happened? Then Moses cried out to the Lord in the midst of this challenge, in the midst of this problem, and he showed him a piece of wood. And he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. And there the Lord made a decree and a law for them, and there he tested them. And then in verse 27, it says they came to Elim. It was only seven miles from where they previously were where there was 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and there they camped near the water. I find that in the midst of really difficult times for people, that they often see miracles from the Lord in ways that you don't at other times in life. I don't know about you, but as you think back and as you look back over your life, when have you seen the mighty hand of God, the power of God, the most in your life? It may be during a very difficult season in your life because that's when God shows up in a magnificent way. God doesn't cause difficult times in our life. He doesn't cause them, but he can use them in a profound way to shape and to mold us as people of God. This is just the reality that sometimes you have to go through the wilderness, you have to go on the detour to get to the promised land. If we think about it, the wilderness can also be a time to realign and to discover our mission. It's a time of revelation, a time of hope, a time of adventure, a time of blessing, a time of seeing the hand of God in new ways and meeting new people along the way. The Israelites may not have had everything they wanted in the wilderness, but they did have everything that they needed. They may not have had everything they wanted in the wilderness, but they did have everything that they needed. And I want us to think about the wilderness in two ways this morning. 
Whether you feel like you're going through that time right now or you can think back on a time or maybe sometime in the future, I want us to think about two things regarding the wilderness for us to remember today. And the first one is this. We need to think about the wilderness as a place to learn. The wilderness is a place to learn. We may not always want to go there, but it's a time that we have to learn to live in a new way because the old supports are gone. The old assumptions no longer hold true. The old practices are no longer possible and it gets us out of those ruts that we are always in. And we have to learn the basics again. It's kind of like what we have to do in our society, even here in the church, right? We have to learn to talk to each other with our masks on, something new. We, we don't shake hands with each other like we've done for years and years. We have to learn even some of the basic things that are different because we're living in a new day. We can't turn to others who have gone ahead of us because nobody's experienced this before. We all have to learn by doing. And sometimes it's like trying to fix the tire on a bike while it's still moving forward. Or trying to fix the, the tire on a car while it's still you know, idling forward. Or it's like laying track in front of a train as the train's coming along. Sometimes it feels like that. We're having to learn so fast in this process. But the wilderness is a time to learn. I read a true story this week about two explorers who had to learn something very important. They were two explorers who were on a pursuit to be the first person to get to the South Pole. It was the only uncharted territory in the early 1900s, and they wanted to be the first one to discover it. And so two men started out. An Englishman, Robert Falcon Scott, he gathered a team of five people together. And then there was a Norwegian, Ronald Amundsen, and his crew of five men. Both of these men and their crew started out on the same day in 1911 at the start of the Antarctic summer. One crew arrived first and survived the return trip. The other crew arrived a month later and did not survive the return trip. One of them got there first and made it back safely. The other got there a month later and didn't survive. Why? What was the difference? And historians went back to look at that and they said the difference was about the transportation that they used to get their gear to the place and return. The Englishman, he decided that he would take horses with him to carry their gear back and forth. Horses had worked in England, surely it would work when he got to the South Pole. The Norwegian thought about where he was going and he decided to take dogs and sled with him to be able to carry and transport his uh, resources. Who made it and survived? The Norwegian, who thought about where he was going, and in the end, it made all the difference. One relied on past experience, another looked to the future. And that's our challenge for us today. In all of these wilderness times and all that's required of us, we have to keep looking forward. We have to keep trusting the one who's calling us to a place that we've never been before. We have to run toward God, not away from him. Our trust in God is deepened as we depend on him to give us sufficient bread and water for the journey. We can look for those small miracles that God does every single day. 
We have to trust God for our future. We have to be willing to learn new ways and to reshape our lives as we travel. And without courage, without courage in the detour times, without courage in the wilderness times, we can get overwhelmed by fear and doubt. We're gonna talk about that a little bit more next week. But in the midst of these times, we have to be able to see it from an eye of learning. And sometimes we expect too much from this time. We expect that, you know, everything's going to be orderly and we expect the trip, you know, to have a scheduled, clear timeline. And I was talking to somebody this week and they said, if we knew when this time was going to end, we could maybe get through it a little bit better. But there is no clear deadline. There's no um, specific direction that we have to go. Not everyone's going to take the trip and be happy about it. We have to understand that and know that. We simply have to embrace the wilderness times, the detour times of life as times to learn, to learn. Second, I think the wilderness is also a time to reclaim our purpose and our identity. To reshape, to reclaim our purpose and identity. As I mentioned last week, the wilderness is sort of a time, it's, it's a gift often to reset. What's most important to me? What things do I need to start doing? What things do I need to start, stop doing? It's a time to take an inventory. Clear identity and purpose can give birth to new groups and new movements and new friendships and even new ministry. I remember working with a widow one time and she had cared for her ailing husband for several years and after her passing, she said, Pastor, I just, I feel lost. I, I, I don't know what to do. This is what I've been doing. I've been caring for him and now there's no, no one to care for. What am I supposed to do? And I said, you know, have you ever thought about working with kids? I know you were a teacher younger in your younger years of life. What if you were to volunteer in the kids' ministry at church? Just take a little step in that direction and see what happens. And you know, she had the courage to do that. And there was this hope and joy and, and, and a renewed sense of purpose as she began to get involved in that new ministry after her husband died. It was really cool and amazing to watch. I was thinking about another gentleman and he had lost his job. There was some restructuring that was done at his company and all of a sudden he, he didn't have a job, something that he really enjoyed and loved to do. And there was a time of pain and struggle as he couldn't find something right away. And he said, Pastor, I don't, I don't know what to do in this time. I said, well, what do you love to do? Maybe that's different than what you did before. And so we talked through some of those things and he began then to pursue some schooling in another direction and got another job that he loved and, and maybe even fulfilled his passions a little bit more than the one he had. And he never would have gotten there. He never would have explored that joy or had that hope and purpose if he hadn't gone through the pain and the wilderness time of losing his job in the first place. Sometimes the, the detours of life, the things that we don't expect, the, the desert times can help us to reclaim our purpose and our identity to reset. The fall is sort of this blank slate now. What are we gonna do with it? What's new? What has God called us to be and to do? And perhaps there are some new answers to those questions. The reality is, sometimes we have to go through the wilderness. Sometimes we have to take the detour in order to get to the promised land. And my question for all of us today is this. 
When you and I deal with new challenges, will you respond with trust or with complaint? Will you and I respond with trust or with complaint? Are we going to complain all the way there? Or are we going to see God's provision in a whole new light? You see, that's a choice that we have. We can control our attitude in the midst of things that are very out of control. Are we going to complain all the way there? Or are we going to see God's provision in a whole new way? How has God provided for you in the past? And what is he doing for you today? You see, God has a power. God does have the power to turn bitter water into sweet water if we will just let him work. Watch for those little miracles that happen in your children or your grandchildren. Watch to see how God might provide maybe some new volunteers for your organization or provide for your business in a new way. I don't know what it is. But when you're watching for God to work, he often does. And we have to have the mind to be able to see it. So I just want to encourage you during this time when everything seems harder than it should be, as students and teachers go back to a classroom that looks and feels very different, to remember and to give yourself the time and place to learn. Give yourself the space to not have everything go perfectly. You're trying to lay the track as the train's coming and you're doing the best that you can. It may not be perfectly straight because that's the best you can do. And it's okay. We have to remain steady in purpose, but flexible in strategy because the journey in the wilderness is a time to learn. And we're all gonna learn along the journey. It leads to growth and learning new things. Are you gonna watch the hand of God to provide for you and for the small miracles that he does every day? Or are you gonna complain all the way through it and always want to look back? That's the choice that each of us have, no matter what age we are. Watch for the mighty hand of God to provide exactly what you need this week, when you need it. Put a no complaining sign up on your bulletin board for your family. And let's keep looking forward, trusting that God will lead us and will provide every step of the way. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, new territory is hard and the detours of life are difficult and we don't want to go on them and we'd rather skip them. But Lord, I pray that we too might see your mighty hand at work even in the midst of the challenges and the difficulties and the moments of grief and pain and loss. Open our eyes and our hearts, Lord, that we might see you at work and to be able to pick that out in the midst of a sea of complaints and all of that that goes on around us. May we hold on to that sign of no complaining this week, Lord, and move our hearts and our minds toward you instead. Give us that grace, Lord, to see this as a time to learn and that you might help us to find hope and joy and peace along the way. In the name of Christ we pray, amen.